This episode is sponsored by Down to Earth Ice Teas. Our functional super teas are made from organic super herbs and adaptogens and contain no sugar, no preservatives, no food colorings, and range from only zero to 10 calories per bottle. Our beverages are USDA organic, kosher, vegan, non-GMO, and keto and paleo friendly. Finally, bottled beverages that you can truly trust. Check out drinkdowntoearth.com and use promo code PODCAST10 for 10% off your first order. Welcome back to the Down to Earth podcast. Did you know that the way you speak to yourself can have a large impact on your overall health and that expressing gratitude for what you already have can open your life up to even more blessings? Our guest today is the one and only Chef Serena Poon. Chef Serena is a celebrity chef, certified nutritionist, and Reiki master who takes an integrative approach to helping people achieve optimal health. In this episode, we go deep and discuss the importance of keeping a positive and grateful mindset, the power of Reiki healing, how we can all work through energy stagnations on our own, and the importance of incorporating a colorful plant-rich diet into our routine. Get ready to feel inspired to take care of your mental, physical, and spiritual health. Here we go. Welcome to the Down to Earth podcast. We're your hosts, sibling duo, Jonathan and Lorena. In this podcast, we'll be spilling the tea on all things health and wellness related. This podcast is designed to motivate you to take care of your physical, mental, and spiritual health. We'll be bringing on doctors, healers, fitness experts, business leaders, and innovators. Thanks for joining us in our mission of making the world a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Here we go. I'd love to start off by getting to know a little bit more about your background and your story and what ultimately motivated you to pursue a career in the health industry. So my background is an interesting one. You can read my bio and know that I am a classically trained chef. I'm a certified nutritionist and also a Reiki master. So I call myself a nutritional energy practitioner. We can unpack that a little bit later to kind of explain what that means. But my personal journey really began with my parents. So our daddy was diagnosed with stage four liver cancer when I was still a senior in college. And during that time, I was actually studying to uh, go into law. You know, I was studying political science. I had taken nutrition just because I, I love food and wanted to know what was in it because the kitchen had always been the center of our household. And so when our daddy got sick, I started, he, he did sort of traditional conventional allopathic medicine. He did chemo and radiation, but he also did Chinese medicine. So he was drinking some Chinese teas, but he was quite far along in his diagnosis. And so just being a part of that journey with him, being a caretaker, but just when you watch someone that you love suffer, it really motivates you and inspires you to try and do anything possible to help alleviate their discomfort. So I started diving into plants and herbs and just anything that we weren't doing and didn't know about to see if there was any way we could relieve some of his symptoms. I mean, at the time, you know, the doctors have very, very, very limited information or knowledge or awareness of food and, and how food could really be a vehicle for healing. It was, it was much more of a just so it's just sort of a functional thing. You needed some protein to have an egg, you know, and there wasn't enough information awareness around that. So that's really kind of how my journey began. And then two months after our daddy passed, 
And he, you know, he was diagnosed at stage four and it was pretty advanced and it was a liver cancer. So I, I think in reality, he was given less than a year, even though, you know, the type of parents that they were, and I'm sure probably many parents would have done the same. They told us, you know, five years and, uh, and he ended up, he ended up staying with us for a little over one year, so about a year and three months. And then he transitioned and two months after he passed away, our mom, who at this time is 45, our daddy was 48 when he transitioned. And our mom was diagnosed with a really rare form of, of ovarian cancer. And, and there'd only been case studies before her, like 25 or 26. So it was just, uh, it was such a whirlwind and uh, we didn't exactly have a protocol. It was somewhat experimental with how she went through her, her healing journey and she ended up having full hysterectomy at the time at 45. We hadn't even really processed what had happened with her daddy. And so the grieving process kind of got meshed in into this really highly inflamed, like, oh my gosh, mom might die and we can't lose another parent. And she couldn't, you know, process losing the love of her life. And here she was having to make decisions that were life and death decisions. So you know, I, it's really my parents and their journey that really propelled me to make a massive shift in my life because I ended up not going to law school. I ended up going to culinary school to study the culinary arts and to understand how I could use food as medicine. And that's really where my journey began. And of course, along the way, I had some of my own health issues because there was this disconnect that I had for a very long time. And actually, I think that a lot of us have this disconnect. It's just the reminders that we need to share with each other and with ourselves that when you're in a caretaking position and when you're so committed to caring for someone else, we often lose sight of the importance of caring for ourselves. And so in this process of what had happened with my parents, I definitely lost sight of that. We ended up having several relatives that also became ill in this period of several years. Our mom was okay. So she went through that journey. And I think our dad was sort of her, and he still is her guardian angel. And so he kind of made sure she was, she stayed here with us and she's been okay ever since she went through her year of, of treatment. And she's, you know, was in a remission a few years after that. And she's been fine since, and she's still with us. She actually turns 70 uh, next week. So they're, they're my inspiration. And when I started having some health issues of my own, because I had such high levels of inflammation in my own body. And again, you know, that, that lack of awareness, that sacrificing my own health and, and rest and needs, thinking that that, that was the debt I needed to pay in order to make sure everyone I loved and cared about would be okay. I thought that was okay for a long time until I realized is so not okay. And we have to nurture ourselves in order to nurture others. And in that journey, I, you know, dive even more into holistic wellness and nutrition and, you know, Ayurvedic practices and obviously Chinese medicine, all things I had kind of already looked at when my parents were sick. And then I also dove much deeper into my own spiritual journey and ended up you know, having an experience with a master uh, who's actually my, my healer who became my mentor and then my teacher master healer, who was in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And from that point in my journey, I ended up 
going on to study Reiki and quantum touch and prana healing and different different types and techniques of of healing modalities and you know became a Reiki master. So in my practice, I really kind of I combine everything into culinary alchemy. It is that that fusion, that integrative it's almost like a magical combination of functional nutrition, integrative nutrition and spiritual nutrition and really addressing what is inside our physical body, how our physical body, what it's made up of, how it responds, looking at biomarkers and labs. And then at the same time, looking at the balances and imbalances within our energy centers and in our energetic body, and then how we support you know, both bodies, our physical, our energetic and spiritual, our emotional and mental, how we support our entire whole being with practices that involve food and supplements as tools, but also mindfulness and energy. So that's been my journey and where I am now. Wow. And that's quite a journey. And again, I'm so sorry to hear about your loss and a lot of the challenges that you had, but I find it really admirable that you were able to, from all of those challenges and and negative situations, you were able to really learn how to help others when it comes to their health and wellness and educating people on preventative health and all the wonderful resources and modalities that are out there that could hopefully allow people to take better care of themselves and hopefully prevent disease over time. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. We just forget, you know, we are so, we are such powerful beings. And recently I've been talking a little bit about reverence, you know, just us having a sense of reverence for who we are, for our physical bodies, because, you know, we kind of live in this time where things happening almost instantaneously. And and I myself is guilty of that. You know, Am- I have Amazon, I use Amazon Prime and it's like, it's like, wait, it doesn't get here in a day. What? You know, and we'll, I'll use, I'll <laughs> use, you know, Instacart and um, I don't know, and these delivery systems where you can get anything you need pretty much in an hour or two hour and we, two hours. And we're so used to this really fast paced sense of life and things that are, you know, by design made to be, instantly gratifying and rewarding and and we're very connected to these devices which which are amazing and they do make life very convenient and time efficient in a lot of ways but really the most profound most complex most complicated machine is the human body and we forget that and we kind of forget to kind of pay reverence to that and and remember how incredible it is that we don't really need to teach ourselves how to breathe. You know, we don't need to teach ourselves the things that our bodies just do naturally day in, day out, all throughout the course of a day, whether we're paying a lot of attention to our body or very little attention to our body. Our body still acclimates and adjusts to serve us best. And so sometimes we just need reminders and we just need some tools and some guidance in order for us to empower ourselves and make the right decisions to live our most optimal lives. And I think that also has a lot to do with how we talk to ourselves. I find that a lot of us, especially as females, I think it's easy to compare yourself, especially on social media. And I know you talk a lot about how important it is the way that we speak to ourselves and see ourselves. What are some ways that we can kind of just shift that mindset and be a little bit kinder to ourselves? That is such a beautiful question. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I think that we kind of all go through 
that journey. You know, and I obviously, if you've followed some of the stories I've shared on my socials, it's, you know, I have, I can be so hard on myself and we are all so hard on ourselves. And we do at some point, and sometimes, you know, we kind of get ourselves out of that framework. And then sometimes we can fall back in where we compare ourselves to others. And one of the most important things, and it sounds, it sounds almost trite. It's so basic is gratitude. It's never a practice that you kind of like, you've done it, you've nailed it, you're an expert at it and, and you can, and you just move on. Gratitude and the practice of gratitude is like an ever evolving learning process. And it's different at different chapters in your life, but it's a practice that I truly believe is what really helps keep us aligned and balanced and grounded and it helps shift our mind back into a space of clarity and focus when we find ourselves leaning towards you know comparing ourselves to other people because when you have this gratitude practice and you can really kind of connect with what you have in your presence like what you have in your life that's beautiful those reminders and that kind of daily practice keeps your mind in that place where sometimes if you if you get called to something by design, you know, by algorithmic design, we get pulled to different things in media, social media, and it can tempt us to start comparing, you know, comparing our lives, comparing what we have, tangibles, intangibles to something else that's out there in the ether. When you have a really solid gratitude practice and you can snap back into what is what is yours and what is divine and what is beautiful, that doesn't really happen. You know, it really doesn't happen as often. And something that I have taught my clients and my community and something that I had started doing years and years ago, and I wasn't even really aware of what I was doing until I realized that it, it became a really profound practice was and is, because I still do it, this journal that I have. And I have a journal that's a kind of like a gratitude journal where I can jot down the things that I'm grateful for, even things that may not have happened. You know, I can, I have a, I have a book of ideas of a journal, you know, where it's almost like your, uh, your visualizations and that, which you may not have, it might not be in your present life, but you know, you're calling it in. So whether you want to call it a manifestation journal or whatnot, I have one of those. And then I have this, I'm grateful for myself journal and all I write in it after it just, it's an, I am every sentence starts with an, I am, and I will write down, you know, I am kind. I am love. I am light. I am healing. I am articulate. You know, I mean, I'll use words that might not even describe how I am in that moment. So for example, I had COVID and it was pretty, it was pretty rough. And so I had, I've had COVID long haul for many, many months now. And part of the long haul symptoms I've had are neurocognitive issues. And there are moments that what I'm saying goes and I'm not terribly articulate. And those can be tough moments sometimes, especially if I'm doing an interview or I'm, whether I'm the host or the guest, or I don't know, something that could, that's alive even, but I'll have these, these phrases written in this journal and it's empowering and it's, and it's powerful and it's a great reminder. So I started this years ago and I'd write that down. I am this and that and this, and I would go through. And at first it was really hard because it felt awkward. It just felt weird, you know, to write down these things about yourself. So for anyone who wants to get started in this process, I would say, write down what other people would say about you, you know, write down what the people 
who love you would say about you. You know, they'd say, Jonathan, you're funny and you're handsome and you're smart and you're, and so write those things down, you know, write those things down. And each, each one starts with an I am and just make a list and, and try to do it every day. Whether you write down five things or 10 or 10 things, you might get on a roll, write all these things down. And after you have a couple pages, I would challenge you to then read them and record them. You can do it on your voice memo, like on your phone and a voice note and record them. And that might feel a little awkward too, but that's why it helps if you've got like a page or two of it, then you're just reading. And then what you can do later is you can actually listen to your voice giving these affirmations when you go to sleep. So when you're in that beautiful like theta state, you know, before your brain waves shift into like Delta, when you're in that beautiful state, you're taking in the sounds of your own voice saying these incredibly powerful affirmations about you and who you are. And then that goes into your brain, that goes into your subconscious mind. So this is a practice that I've been doing and I've fallen off and then I get back on and I really try and stick to it. And something that I've shared that has been profoundly healing for me, profoundly healing for other people. And it's a great way to really kind of work your mind so that you're in the right mind frame, you know, you're in the right mindset. And in the moments where we're distracted and something kind of pulls us in a direction where we may judge ourselves or be hard on ourselves or compare ourselves, there's these thoughts and these words and these sounds that are in our mind somewhere in our subconscious mind. And so it's just like neuroplasticity, you know, you start to train and program your brain that way. And um, anything that you do on a regular basis, you know, becomes what you do. So I hope that that's helpful, but that's something that I think is easy for anyone to do to at least get started on. It doesn't cost anything. And if you can do it for even two weeks, you will feel and see a shift and a change in how you perceive yourself, your sense of clarity, your sense of confidence, and how you show up with others. That's a really great practice. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because gratitude is so important. And you know, I've written, you know, a what I'm grateful for list for, for quite some time. And I've recommended it to others. And some common feedback that I've gotten was, you know, people either wouldn't do it consistently or it would almost feel like homework and they would just put down things on the list without actually feeling what they were grateful for. And I feel like the way that you just explained your process is much deeper. And I feel like it's a more sensory experience. So I feel like that would have a more profound impact on the person who's practicing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, and just to add on to that, if someone already has a gratitude practice, as you say, or feels that they have a hard time sticking to it, something that I teach my community, and it's sort of a core foundational part of culinary alchemy of my practice, is you know, when you are going through a gratitude list, and let's say it's not about yourself, you're going through a list of, you know, one, two, three, five, ten things, however many things of things that you're grateful for. I would say, let's just take it one step further. Let's just focus on one or two things that you're grateful for. So whether it's a person in your life, a fur baby, or something that's more tangible, something something that's, that's tangible that you love, or maybe a favorite food, a very special meal that you share on only special occasions with someone that you love, whatever it is, just pick one or two, but let's just start with one. Pick one thing. And really connect to your feelings of love and gratitude for that one thing until you have like a visceral response. 
if you're thinking about a person, you're, you can, you can feel them. You can smell them. You can feel like the warmth of their body near you. You can feel what it feels like inside of you when they are near you, when you think of them and how much you love them, how grateful you are for them. That connection between your physiology, your physical body, and your emotional, your emotional and mental body, that anchors in that feeling of gratitude. So you can actually go back and connect to that feeling later when you want to. And you can do something with your hands, with your body, you can clench your wrists, your, your fists. You can, you can do something that you feel like is a kind of a physical anchor. But even if you don't do that, just sitting with it enough so that you have that feeling, that, that visceral, that physical response to it, that will bring you back to that feeling of love and gratitude when you feel like you've fallen off a little bit. And it's also a really great way to practice any form of gratitude is connecting to that powerful feeling when you're going through your list, whether it's in your, I am grateful for myself or for someone else or a different list. I love that you mentioned that. And I think it also has so much to do with nutrition and food. And especially a lot of people say like, well, I have to go on this diet or I have to do so-and-so. And I think kind of shifting that perspective and having a deep, deep gratitude for our bodies physically and mentally, I think that intention in the way that we cook and the way that we eat really makes a drastic difference in our health as well. Absolutely. You're, it's a hundred percent does. When we talk about that secret ingredient being love in so many ways, it's very true. You know, it's that energy and that intention that's actually going back into the food from you where it goes back into your body or to someone else's body or what you receive when someone else is preparing that food. That's why if you think about something that your mom used to make, your grandmother, someone in your life that used to make, you know, a dish that you just can't seem to replicate, even if they give you and they swear to you, they, they gave you the exact recipe. What makes it taste different is that energy of love that they're, in, that they're infusing in that food, in that dish as when they're in the preparation of it. And that's something that we can recreate in our ways with our own energy and put into the food, enhancing the nutrition when we're feeding ourselves or the people that we care about. No, I was saying, and they even had studies. I mean, I've seen studies with water and yeah, people- Dr. Like Emoto. Yeah, how people yeah. you know electrically energize their water and how talking to your water and your food and saying positive affirmations and being in a heightened state and a positive state when you're consuming- actually could impact our physical health as well. A hundred percent. Exactly. So it's actually, it's a really easy practice to do. It's just that we forget sometimes, you know, and so just having those little reminders, sharing those reminders and stories with people in your family, in your community, in your circles allows you guys to remind each other. And it's something that is, doesn't, again, doesn't cost a thing. You're already in the practice. You're already making that coffee or tea or your lemon water or the food, you're already doing that. So it's just like one extra step that you take to be in that present moment to kind of align, send that energy and that intention into, into your food or your beverage. Absolutely. Now, something else that I really wanted to touch on was vulnerability, because I think a lot of us tend to struggle with this, especially amongst others. Sometimes we try to put on a facade or we think that 
by being vulnerable, we might push the ones close to us away. So are there any tips you have on how to overcome that discomfort and some of the implications of being vulnerable? That's such a beautiful question. You know, I think that there's a couple layers to getting to a place where you feel like you can be vulnerable. And often what I've witnessed is that, you know, sometimes people just sort of break down. There's an energy that we put out when we're not being authentic about who we are, how we are, how we feel. And when we feel that we have to show up in a way that is outside of what's really authentically us, there's like another whole layer of energy expenditure that happens. And what I've witnessed is sometimes people get vulnerable in the moments where they're just exhausted. You know, they're exhausted from, you know, expending so much energy. They're exhausted from putting so much energy into just not into being something other than just their authentic selves, which is one way that some people kind of reach that point of vulnerability. But if you think about why people are really doing it, like what, what's the step before that kind of like driving force? It's that desire to to feel seen and to feel heard and to feel like you are supported and you are loved and you're in a safe space as yourself, as who you are and nothing else and nothing more. And that you're just being authentically you. And not only are you perfect, I don't really like to use the word perfect very often, except in this space where we are all perfect exactly as we are. We are all perfect in our, you know, authentic selves. But when we have that safety, when we have the feeling, I feel that most people open up and they feel that they can be vulnerable. So, you know, if you're asking what are things that you can do, I would say, you know, take inventory, you know, take inventory of, of your environment. Are you in an environment, in a community with people that you feel that you feel safe with, you know, that you feel comfortable with, that you feel that you can be yourself, that you feel seen, that you feel heard, that you feel loved and supported. And sometimes that, sometimes the answer to that, to that question may be no. And it may be no in, in respect to your family or your closest friends. And people may feel like they don't have the options. And I would say that in those circumstances, there's always options. You know, you can either give your circle a try and just and just let them know how you feel and just and just be really honest about what you need to feel safe and supported or know that there is a beautiful community out there now we have access now more than ever before to energies all over the world and there's uh, there's always a community for every one of us where there are going to be people that understand that can relate that resonate with you where your frequency is that have shared the same experience and the same the same you know thoughts and feelings and fears and sometimes it's just giving that a try people get held back by fear because they fear rejection but if you flip it if you're like I'm going to give them a try you know I'm going to give all these other energies that may not be in my life yet, I'm going to give them a try and see if they're a fit for me instead of thinking that you need to be a fit for someone else. Sometimes just that flip a narrative in your head can make a really big difference. You're so right. And I think that's a really great point. And I also think that when it comes to vulnerability, you know, it isn't something that, you know, we all become comfortable with overnight. 
that's an area where I personally struggle, but I think, you know, making mindful choices to be more vulnerable and step by step, it adds up. And then before you know it, you really, you know, grew a lot in a relatively short amount of time and you become more comfortable in a state of vulnerability. hundred percent. And if you ask yourself, like, why am I comfortable? And it usually it's because you feel accepted. It was okay. It was okay to share. It was okay to share that about yourself. It was safe. You know, you weren't hurt. And there may be times that you might be, but every time you share, you are serving. And this is this is sort of how I've looked at my journey. And I know that there are people that think that I that see the things I've shared online as being very open and being very vulnerable. But that kind of comes from my mindset and the way I look at everything that I do. And I take moments like that and I look at it and I think, how can I serve with this? How can I take what I've gone through and turn it into a learning, a teaching, an experience that someone else can can learn from? How can I serve? And I think that sometimes just that that again, that that little shift in your mindset, when you're pulling that, when you're taking that focus away from you and you're putting it on something much, much bigger than you, something much greater, it really kind of diffuses any heightened emotions, any fears that you may have about sharing something that may seem to be really vulnerable. Absolutely. And in that case, you know, I think it takes really deep understanding and radical self-acceptance of who you are so that when you know that when you do share those external forces don't matter as much because you accept yourself. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think that there's a lot of that. And also just knowing that, and this is my belief, like we all have a purpose, you know, Mm -hmm. and we're all here to serve in some way, shape or form. And sometimes that's just serving the person next to you, you know, or the, or the person that happens to happens to be hearing this part of our conversation. It just can take one person. And so, you know, it's, I believe that it is, it's accepting who you are and also just knowing that your energy and what you bring and everything that you're doing and sharing, it matters, you know, Mm -hmm. it matters and it's helping, you know, other people. Definitely. Now on the topic of energy, you mentioned that you are a Reiki healer. So for those who are unfamiliar with Reiki, if you can explain what it is and how it works. Yes. So Reiki <laughs> and um and I'm a Reiki master and I have I just want to say that I have so much respect for my master, my teachers, my lineage of of masters and teachers and and anyone who's a practitioner and anyone who is some sort of a practitioner in some sort of an energetic healing modality. I have so much respect and admiration for what everyone does. So when I share what I'm going to say next, it is by no means any form of disrespect. I have so much respect. But Reiki is, it's Reiki essentially, it's a spiritual healing art and it's obviously rooted in, in, it's in Japanese origin. And the word Reiki actually comes from the Japanese words Rei, which means universal life, and Ki, which means energy. And essentially what it is, is it's just how a practitioner sort of moves energy. If you believe that everything is energy, 
and that we're all connected. Everything is energy in some form. There's universal energy, there's life for it. There's, you know, life source energy. That's sort of like what is through our body, like chi and prana. It's the energy that flows through all living things. So a practitioner, no matter what modality of energy work that they're practicing is essentially doing that. They are sort of allowing themselves to be a conduit and channeling and helping that energy, that universal life force energy flow through them to a place where they're directing it with intention. And I believe that we all have the ability to do this. And I believe that there's many, many, you know, different techniques and, and forms and modalities and different ways that we can all do this. And Reiki is just one of them. Um, so again, so much respect. It's such a beautiful art. I'm so grateful that I have been trained in this technique, but I also believe that there's a lot of other techniques that you can move energy. And it's also something that we can all do if, you know, you're properly trained and, and you have, you can drop into that state of focus where you know that you're just almost like a, like a conduit, you know, a channel for that energy flow to go from one point to another. For sure. And I think Reiki is great. I think that for anyone who has access to Reiki Master, it's something that's wonderful to explore. Are there any at-home tips that we could maybe ourselves try to move energy if we've had like a really stagnant day or we feel like we need some sort of revival? Are there any small little tips that we could do throughout the day on our own? Oh yeah, that's a great question. I mean, two things. It's again, going to sound super simple, but First of all, stay really, really hydrated. Hydration is one of the things I talk about quite often. And what I would say is a top tip or shift for someone who really kind of wants to get into a better space physically and energetically. Most people are very dehydrated and water actually helps energy flow. You know, so whether or not it is stagnation, physical stagnation in terms of buildup in your physical body with toxins that need to be released water helps that flow, but also energetically as well. Water helps the flow of energy move through our body and energy wants to move throughout our body. So water is a great one, staying hydrated, well hydrated. And then also breath work. When we breathe, even if it's something simple, like the 444 that I do um, before meditations or Reiki, which is just, it's sort of like box breathing. Or if you're doing something that's some intense breath work or Wim Hof, or, you know, there's so many different forms and styles, but essentially it's all breath work. When we're practicing breath work, we are moving energy. You know, we are moving energy and we are kind of bringing that energy and that breath through our different chakras, our different energy centers, and then back out again and releasing that which doesn't serve us. It's also detoxifying, you know, from a physical place. We are actually, you know, releasing that which we don't need with our physical body as well. And again, these are two very, very simple practices that you can people can implement as soon as they've heard it here that can really help them with stagnant energy. And then I would say movement. You know, sometimes you just need to change your physiology. And so whether or not it's just going out and getting into nature a little bit with the sun or having your feet kind of grounded into the grass, into the dirt, or even into the water, if you're near the ocean or any body of water, all of that can really help shift if you feel like you've got some stagnant energy, but just movement, movement in and of itself. And and it doesn't necessarily mean go for a run, although that might serve some people. Sometimes it's just moving from one room to the other. Just if you're in a sitting position, just getting up and just changing your physiology can change the flow of energy in your body and it can change your state. 
Yeah, those are all great tips that we could all pretty much do. We all have access to these things. And I love that you mentioned breathing because I also do Wim Hof breathing every single morning and, and I Amazing. love it. I feel great from it. And yeah. it's funny because when I'll often tell people that I start my day with breath work, sometimes people will laugh and they're like, well, well, obviously like we're all breathing and, and most people don't even realize that even though we're all physically breathing, we're not really taking deep mindful breaths throughout the day. And sometimes all we need is to just take a few minutes and just breathe, take deep inhalations, exhalations, and really just change the course of our energy. Yeah, it really makes such a big difference. And I think that that's great that you're able to educate and, and with people and educate people and also share with them your experiences because people forget there are different ways that we could manipulate and move our breath that is profoundly healing and helpful and detoxifying and energizing and great for our immune system too. Now, I'm curious as a Reiki master, if you have any success stories or interesting stories that you've had with clients that have had a drastic shift from the energy work, but also I'm sure other lifestyle changes that they've made. Oh yeah. You know, that's uh, it's interesting because Reiki is quite subtle. So sometimes people don't even necessarily realize it takes a bit of hindsight for them to kind of put the two, 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 and twos together where they kind of realize if they go kind of back to the starting point of shift, that it kind of started with energy work. So that that's actually a quite common theme with say clients who, who are coming to me and haven't really done a lot of energy work and they haven't done Reiki. But I also just as, just as often, you know, someone I mean, you can feel that energy. So you mm-hmm. can feel, obviously, you can feel the shift in your autonomic nervous system. You can feel your body shifting from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic state and everything kind of relaxes. You know, it, it really reduces the inflammation levels in a person's body. So therefore also really relieving tension levels. And we all know what that means. So when you can give your physical body that break, you know, when you're, when your inflammation levels kind of get toned down and your tension releases, it really accelerates the body's natural ability to heal itself. You know, so you can release blockages, pain is easily, you know, alleviated and released. And I've definitely had that happen many, many times where it seems like an inexplicable thing that there is mm-hmm. a pain in the back or in the shoulder or in the knee or somewhere that they haven't been able to sort out with stretching or heat or cold or massage. And then we just do a little bit of Reiki and we're able to clear that energetic block and we're able to allow energy to flow in there to help allow some healing in that area. And then of course, if we're talking about, you know, emotional, emotional states and mental states, because of that level of deep relaxation of grounding, you know, and balancing that first and second chakra. So there's a release of stress and tension and anxiety, all of that kind of then allows, allows our minds to kind of relax and flow. And you have much more clarity about a situation. You have much more focus. You can, you're just much, it's just, you're more peaceful. So it enhances your own intuitive abilities. People can then kind of tune into their own decision-making process and feel confident and encouraged when they're making decisions from that state, that mental state, and also that emotional state. And so once you're making decisions from, from that state, then it, then it flows. And so you'll realize that the decisions you made in that state will then draw in that which you, that that which you, want to call in and need. I love the way that you explain that. And I actually had a Reiki session. It was about a year ago and, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm lying on the table and my eyes are closed 
And I feel this deep pull around my heart. And when I was done, I woke up and it was 11, 11. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Magic. Yeah. And I asked the master, I said, I felt this pull. And he was like, yeah, it was right over your heart chakra. And it was very subtle, but I noticed ever since, and it was just one session that I did. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've allowed myself, I've been much more vulnerable and open, which I'd never been in the past. Yeah. So he, yeah. he or she was able to kind of help you open up that heart chakra. And, you know, so often that we're talking about our heart chakra, I think that most of the times people kind of liken it to the ability to love others. But when we're talking about our heart chakra, it's really also about our ability to love ourselves. It's where we have compassion and expansion. And so as we were talking about earlier, so often we don't have that compassion for ourselves, right? Like we don't necessarily have that love for ourselves. And sometimes that's really where that block or that that feeling of a closed chakra comes from. So I think that's so beautiful that that practitioner was able to kind of open that up for you. And, and, and now you've, it's kind of expanded your experience in different ways. So that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned self-love and, and being better to ourselves. And I think a really big area where we really need to do that is when it comes to our nutrition and you're an incredible chef and leader in the holistic nutrition space. And so I'd love to get a little bit of background on just your views on nutrition just sort of the pillars that you think most people would benefit from when it comes to fueling their bodies and what yeah. we could all be doing better. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. I mean, it, it's, I try to keep things super simple because simple to me means sustainable. And I, you know, I really want people to implement practices that they can do and carry with them anywhere that they go. You know, for example, I have been traveling quite a bit, as I mentioned at the beginning of this chat that I've, you know, been home maybe two days a week for several weeks. And so when you have certain practices really anchored in, you can take them anywhere that you go. And when it comes to nutrition, you know, one of the things that I had said a few minutes earlier was about hydration and how important it is to stay really, really well hydrated. So whether or not you're doing that by way of, of just water, which I, which, you know, is kind of ideal, you can also consume really water dense, water rich foods, and you can also get some hydration that way. People always ask me about that. And I, and I say, it's a great source, but you know, we always kind of want to reach for, for water, but you can nourish your body and hydrate your body with water dense foods as well. And the other thing, the number two, actually it's sort of like number one and number two, these are both equally important. It's just really focusing on eating all the colors of the rainbow. And, you know, it sounds almost silly again, because that might've been the type of thing that you were told when you're a little kid or something. And we're not talking Skittles here. We're talking about, you know, beautiful whole foods. And ideally I would love for you to reach for whole plant-based foods. And if you're not, um, if you're not, you don't have a plant-based lifestyle or diet, that's fine, but just make sure that throughout the course of your day, if you can do it at every meal, great, but if not, just throughout the course of your day that you have an abundance of whole plant-based foods that fill up the colors of the rainbow. That way you're getting the whole spectrum of phytonutrients, vitamins, and minerals that your body really needs. Like that is your natural vitamin, your natural source of everything, energy. And then it also addresses your energetic centers, your energy centers, your chakras as well. And so for those who are familiar with the chakra system and they know that, 
you know, our seven chakras align with these seven colors that can often be found in mother nature and foods. Even if you're not familiar with the chakra system, you can just, I can let you know that when you eat foods, when you eat whole foods that cover the span of the rainbow, you are also addressing and supporting every single one of your chakras. And those chakras are actually in alignment, those energy centers. And there's more than seven if you study, if you study chakras and energy work. But for the purposes here, I really kind of just focus on the seven basic ones, the seven major centers that run throughout our body. And that begins with the root at your base. And that's that's represented by the color red. Then your sacral, that's your that is your second chakra, then your solar plexus, your heart, your throat, your third eye, and your crown. And those chakras, those energy centers are in alignment with our physical organ systems. So when you are eating across the spectrum of the rainbow, you are not only supporting those energy centers, but also the organ systems that are in alignment with those energy centers throughout your body. So those would be, you know, the two things that you can, anyone can do from anywhere in the world at any time, even if your schedule can be stacked or full. And then the third is there is a really powerful energy, as we mentioned earlier, that we all bring with intention when it comes to gratitude and how we receive, how we receive food, how we receive water, how, how we receive anything that we put into our body. And as Jonathan, you mentioned, there's been studies, you know, whether it's Dr. Moto or actually many others where you can really almost enhance the nutrient density and the absorption that your body has of the nutrients within a food. If you sit with that for a moment and give it that grace, that gratitude, that intention, that what you're putting into your body will is there to nurture you and heal you, which, you know, doesn't mean you go out and have a piece of cake every single meal and say, this is going to heal my body. But it also means that, yeah, you can have that piece of cake sometimes on an occasion and not judge yourself and not sit with an energy that doesn't serve you about it. You can sit with an energy of celebration and know that this is a moment that's special and you have an awareness of what that food is and enjoy that. And I, I remind people of that as well. I mean, you, it's eating a, a healthy, balanced program, meal, meal plan or foods 80% of the time, which allows for a healthy 20% of indulging sometimes in things that you know maybe aren't as nutrient dense. I love your philosophy on nutrition. And I think the focus on addition and actually including things that feed your body as opposed to thinking of what you can't have. And I think, you know, a lot of people this weekend with Halloween weekend, they indulge in sugar and there's so much regret and shame that goes with that, that you don't even enjoy the moment that you're eating that cake or that candy because you feel like you're doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just acknowledging it, you know, it's acknowledging it and know, and know that you can do better tomorrow and that you will. And to do that with intention so that you can enjoy that moment because there is, there's so much to life and there's so many nuances and, and the energy that you're bringing to your body, you have complete and total sovereign power over. So you can, you can enjoy that moment and then know that you'll do other things to nourish your body starting tomorrow or detox your body. However, but that's really important. And I think that that kind of judgment that you were mentioning is part of the reason why people have such a difficult time when it comes to meditation. Mm-hmm. You know, so many people have a hard time meditating because they're judging their process. They're judging their inability to sit still and not have a thought. 
And I have found TM, Transcendental Meditation, to be profoundly helpful, especially in just the last, say, five months, because I've, I've meditated for a long time, but for whatever reason, didn't practice Transcendental Meditation until about five months ago, five, maybe six months ago. And it's had a profound impact on my life because it's just that reminder that it's okay. With TM, you have a mantra or a word, and that's your home base. And sometimes your thoughts will kind of go in one direction or another. And then you just remind yourself, okay, got that. Okay, that's right. Uh, Go back to your home base. And then you just kind of keep going back to your home base. And the number of times your mind goes somewhere else becomes shorter and less frequent because you're not judging yourself. And you're not telling yourself you're not doing it right or that you're doing it wrong or, you know, none of those things are happening. There is no judgment. It's just, okay, I thought that thought, got that, got it. Thanks. Let me go back to my word. Let me go back to my mantra and go back to home base. And you just do this for about 20 minutes. And that's a practice that I've really been encouraging people to do because then you also take that energy and you take that mindset and you take that ability that you have to practice non-judgment of yourself and go back to a home base and then you reset and then you go and then you start again. And the mind is plastic. So as you do that more and more, it becomes just the way you think and the way you do. Absolutely. And I actually have been practicing TM for several years now as well. And that's what I love so much about it. I think with yeah. you know a lot of meditations, you feel like you have to block your thoughts or if you start to think, you try to sort of stop yourself. But with TM, it really allows you to just go into it judgment-free and see what happens. Yeah. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And as you practice that, you'll find yourself taking that same practice outside of meditation. So I love that you've been doing it for several years. That's awesome. Yeah. It's a great practice. Now, we also have a lot of listeners who are entrepreneurs or up-and-coming entrepreneurs. And you're an incredible entrepreneur. You really pursued your passion and built a great business around it. And so I'd love to know if you have any tips for up-and-coming entrepreneurs or for anyone who wants to pursue their passion, but sort of maybe judges themselves or or fears taking that leap. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. I mean, obviously, I talk a lot about mindset and I've talked about it here. I talk about it in other, other places as well. But if we're talking about fear, usually that fear comes from you're worried that you're going to fail. You're worried about what other people think. You know, you're worried. And there's sometimes there's a fear around finances, especially if you're doing a big career shift and, you know, there may be an adjustment to that. So fear is really our ego mind. And, and usually fear kind of blocks us is that separation between us and what we truly believe and what we truly, what's authentic to us. And so what I've done in my personal journey, and they, this may or may not work for other people, but it kind of goes back to what can you do to kind of get outside of yourself? Because when you're in fear, you're really focused, you're really focused on you. You know, you're focused on your emotions of failure, of disappointment, of judgment of self, you know, because often, you know, we kind of interpret judgment from others we're interpreting judgment of others as from others as that's their opinion, but we're judging ourselves when we're receiving that. And so a really good way to kind of get outside of yourself is to focus on what it is that you want to do. Is this career change something that will serve others? How will, how will it serve others? If it doesn't quite yet, like how can you shift what it is that you want to do so that 
so that you can serve others and more and more and more. And there is a love, there's an energy that goes into that kind of creation. And what I can say is when you come from a place where your focus is on serving others and impact, things will always work out. Always, even the toughest times. And we, you know, we bootstrapped Just Said Water. We were still bootstrapping that. I mean, we're, we haven't taken on investors. I mean, everything that we've created that I, when I say we, I'm talking about my sister and I and my little, my, my team, that's amazing. But when I started all by myself, it really does. It's, there's some, there's so much divinity. You know, I, I truly believe that there is a divine intelligence and I believe that there's so much more than what we see in our, in our kind of day, day-to-day realities. And when you make it about something that's greater than you, things just flow, ideas flow in, help flows in, connections flow in, the right partners and the right team and the right souls and everything just kind of so, just kind of flows in. And it's true that there is a level of trust that you need to have. And that trust really should be within yourself. But if you can't connect to that, trust in something that's greater. Trust in something that's greater than you, that is sending you this directive, that is giving you this message that there's something that you need to do. And there's a step that you need to take. And in order to take that step, you need to you need to get outside of yourself. And I can promise you, I can promise you that it'll be, it'll be worth it. And what comes to you comes in folds and folds and folds and waves and waves when, when that's the energy and the philosophy that you have with it. I really love that you mentioned that. And my brother and I are also in the health and wellness space. And I have a lot of respect for what you've built with your business, with your sister, which is even more amazing. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah. So I started off as you know, or some of you may know, you know, I started off in this space as a private chef. You know, I started off in the culinary space, serving my immediate community with nutrition and obviously creating the food for them. And then I had I had something that happened in my own health journey where I had to have several surgeries and I contracted MRSA MRSA after uh, one of my surgeries, and that's a deadly staph infection, and that became a part of my journey until I almost died after my fourth surgery. And wasn't able to work as a chef for several months because I I wasn't able to use my arm, my left arm, the upper side of my, the upper left side of my body. I had kind of lost use of that. And I wasn't sure when it was coming back or how much mobility I would have. And so that was when I shifted into a big focus on the consulting part of my practice. I basically built that during that time and shifted my energy into consulting and teaching the nutrition I was already doing as I was, as I was cooking. And so I did that and then I started to heal and, and, and thankfully, um, and I'm so blessed and so grateful that I am able to use, you know, my left arms, no problems with that now. And I retained, you know, my ability to, to cook the way I was before, but my business at that point had expanded. I had actually ended up making three times more that year unable to use, you know, that side of my, my left side of upper left side of my body just from the consulting. But I started to realize that there was so much to teach that I had learned from my personal journey, from my own experience of what I'd gone through and the shift that I had to go in terms of my, my mental state, my mentality, my mindset from 
having this whole experience happen, which it's so easy to be in that victim state because things were quite literally happening to me, to my body. And to shift into a space of total empowerment and realizing that I choose, I decide, I decide what my life is going to be like. And that whatever had been happening for the last several months and several years with my health and with the MRSA, that I still had choice and options. And then shifting out of that mindset into this creation of, of that which you're, you are witnessing today, I realized there was so much in my experience that I wanted to share and teach to a community that was beyond my fingertips. So not just my friends and my local community and my clients, but more than that. And that was when social media became a vehicle for that and a platform to share what I was learning And often the sentiment to share your experiences, especially if they were challenges, is so that other people don't have to experience them. Let me tell you what I did. Let me tell you what I've learned. Let me tell you what I went through so that you don't have to go through the same things. But if that happens that you do, here are the tools. Here are the tools that I've learned that work for me and see if they work for you. So in that kind of growth space, my sister joined me. And part of it was because I needed some help. And then she was ready for a transition in terms of her career. But part of it also is because we became the caretakers for our grandmother who was ill at the time. And it kind of just made sense that as we were a team navigating what was happening here in our personal lives with our grandmother's health, which took up, you know, it, it I mean, our, my grandmother, I mean, our, my grandma, our grandma, I mean, she was She's still so close to me every single day. You know, I still talk to her and I talk to my daddy and she was, she sort of was like our nanny growing up. I know our parents both work full time. So we're very, very close to her. And so we were sort of a team and, and supporting each other as we were supporting the family and supporting the growth of this business and just add water kind of happened somewhat just coincidentally and magically because nothing really is a coincidence. And we kind of did that together as well. And, you know, if anyone ever wants to know about the journey of that, I mean, that was literally just add water started off as me making these blends with powdered superfoods and sticking them in Ziploc bags and giving them to my clients because they would be such a mess when they went, tra- when they traveled and they come back because their, their schedules and their diets and everything was off. And so I made these little powdered blends and said, just have one of these once a day and come back to me whole. All you have to do is just dump it in water, just add water to it. And that's all you have to do. And that became a thing after one of our trips, it was in the Cannes Film Festival and my clients were drinking it and their clients saw them vibrant and, you know, and the and Cannes Film Festival can be a big party, party. And my clients were doing quite well, all things considered, all parties considered. And so it just became a thing that they that their community and their and their friends and colleagues realized that he, they were drinking this super nutrient dense drink that was giving them the, the energy that they needed that was helping them heal and recover and it became a thing and i literally called my sister from france and i said listen when i come back we we've got to like we've got to create a logo and <laughs> and file patents and trademarks and you know we've got we we have to cuz you know i just i said i committed and i said yes to these health and beauty boxes that are going out in december and this was like in june right and i don't even think we had a website we had nothing these are in ziploc bags and i just said yes and i figured um 
if I say yes, then it's got to be, I've got to make it real. And we did it on our own. We tripped and fell on our face a lot. We broke our nose a couple of times and we just figured it out. And that's the process of being an entrepreneur. It's never, ever smooth sailing, but what you learn along the way, not only builds character for you, it builds character for your brand. And it gives you so, it gives you a richness and and depth to what you're doing that makes that product something that is relatable, that people want to be a part of because there's a journey in creating it. And so anyone that's on that entrepreneurial journey, just know that there are millions of others around you with you who, you know, realize, yeah, wow, I'm working a 10 times harder than I was working when I had a salary and a nine to five somewhere else. And it feels like I'm working 24 seven and I've got to be really, really mindful and focused about scheduling the self-care and not overworking, even though I'm accused of overworking too much because it's probably true a lot of the time. And I'm not getting as much sleep as I preach, but I work on it. And it's just, it's just knowing how to balance all of those things, but you're in this you're in a space of constantly creating and co-creating with others. And if you're driven by a mission or a passion to serve something larger than you, then it's you, it's almost like endless energy for that endless. And it's a, it's a really beautiful, very fulfilling, magical thing. As long as you know that that is in, that is in alignment with you and it doesn't have to be, you know, but if it is, that's how it'll turn out. And so I think the most important part is asking yourself if that is in alignment with you and your energy, because it it is a lot of work, but it's also very rewarding. Yeah, you're so right. And that's why it's so important, the intention behind what it is that you're building. And, you know, in your story, it's very clear that you built a product and a brand around your lifestyle and something that you were physically experiencing and benefiting from. And that's why the brand is so genuine. And I think that's so important. And as consumers are becoming sort of more conscious with their purchases, it's really important to, to really feel and know that the intention behind a product is pure and that it makes sense mm-hmm. and that the person behind the product was actually creating something out of love and out of passion. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a blessing. It really is such a blessing and such an honor to, to serve and to be in a place where I can share these things and it's well-received. And I feel that it's such a beautiful time to be alive right now because there's so much happening. And I know there's a lot of other things happening there's as well that can't be ignored that are, that are challenging. So it's equal. The challenges are equal to the blessings, but there's so much happening right now in our world. There's so much shifting. There's so much opening. There's so much creating. And it really is such a blessing to be able to be a part of of all of it and, and to be here with you guys and to be able to serve and share. Definitely. And that's such a great message, especially at this time when it is a tricky time and a challenging time for a lot of people. But I think shifting our perspective and focusing on the blessings and on you know the optimistic and wonderful things that are still out there. So it's going to get us all through it. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And thank you guys so much for, for what you guys do and for this podcast. You're doing amazing things. And thank you so much for having me today. Our pleasure. Now, for anyone out there who's going to hear this episode that wants to reach out to you, potentially work with you, where are the best places to reach you at? So we have our website. It's uh, serenaloves.com. And then our my social platform is Chef 
Serena Poon. And I'm most active on Instagram, but I, that's a, that's the social handle for all our other platforms as well. And so I would say that those are probably the two best places to kind of stay up to date. Uh, you can always sign up for our email list as well because our, our community gets a lot of exclusive information. So that's a great place too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And we're excited to share all of your wonderful wisdom with our community. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. I love sharing space with you today. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Thanks for joining us on our episode with Chef Serena Poon. Serena shared so much valuable insight with us on the importance of practicing gratitude, working with our energy, following a colorful plant-rich diet, and implementing a positive approach to our lives and mindset. As always, if you have any questions, please email us at podcast at drinkdowntoearth.com or get in touch on our Instagram at drinkdte. In the meantime, stay healthy and stay hydrated. Cheers. Now it's time for you to go out there and do at least one small thing to better your health today. Always choose to make your life a healthier, happier, and a more down-to-earth place. Until next time. Cheers to good health.